the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening on AM 1280 The Patriot. Well, we are turning our attention to a topic that's been covered uh, quite a bit in the past, but we haven't talked about it for quite some time, and that is technology. And when you think about it, everywhere you turn, Americans young and old have some sort of dependence on any type of technological gadget. Mm -hmm. And what's most disturbing is really an increasing number of young people are addicted They're spending extended hours connected to an interactive screen. That's right, Rebecca. The consequences are negative, and they have damaging effects on a child's mental and physical health. How technology addiction really affects mental health, Mm -hmm. the nervous system, the front part of the brain, the frontal lobe. We'll get into the specifics on that. We'll Mm -hmm. also take a look at several studies that show that the use of technology in the classroom is returning with a negative performance. There's a lot of information here. We will try to go slow, but we do feel like it's very important. It is so important because that is the wave that is overwhelming education today. So uh, we need to get the facts out there. So you can always count on us at Education Nation to get the facts out there. So uh, let's first take a look at the technology's effect on mental health and the brain. And um, the source that we're using for some of the next little bit of our show comes from astermedcity.com. That's A-S-T-E-R-M-E-D-S or C-I-T-Y.com. And this is a child adolescence health um, website. So one of the things that they talk about there is um, within the realm of addiction, that smartphones are opening up a whole new world of visual entertainment to children. And of course, their attention is immediately captured. And we all know this. We, we, we ourselves as adults are captured by that. Very interactive. And you can imagine that an immature mind you know, of a child is going to be even more captured. So it's not long before their interest turns to addiction. Mm-hmm. And according to a 2016 study conducted by Common Sense Media, about 50% of teens in a survey of 620 families said they felt addicted to their smartphones. Mm-hmm. 50% of 620 families. That's a, that's a big number. It is. And nearly 80% said they checked their phones more than hourly and felt the need to respond instantly to messages. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, these... We, it really is getting a hold on us, isn't it, the technology? It is, and there's so much that drives this need to get back right away. And when we get into some of the 
uh, lies that children believe and mm-hmm. some of the symptoms uh, and, and really solutions to that. We'll, we'll, we'll delve a little deeper in terms of why there's this need to respond quickly. Right, right. So another study that was conducted in 2015 by Pew Research Center, um, they revealed that nearly 75% of teenagers had access to smartphones, and they unlocked their devices about 95 wow. times per day on average. 95 times per day. And they and they spent close to nine hours per day connected to the Internet on large and small screens outside now, of school. You know, that's the thing, because I know, like, as an adult, okay, when I unlock my phone, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not looking for just, like, a minute or two. Right. I'm on there for, like, 15 or 20 minutes. It captures you. It does. Yeah. It, then it locks again. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you know, I was looking away for a second. Right. I've got to log back back on. Right. I unlock my phone. I'm on for another 20 I minutes. Know. Now you're almost to an hour. Exactly. And then if there's notifications, then that pulls you in as well, <laughs> yes. which you know they're doing on purpose. Right. <laughs> but there, but this Pew study, nine hours per day outside of school. Yeah. So that's on small and large screens. That's that's. And then if you add how much time they spend on on screen time in school, boy, that's pretty frightening. It's almost the whole day. Yeah, exactly. You know, according to a recent Wall Street Journal article that was written just two months ago here mm-hmm. in January. Average time spent is a tech industry metric, and even a child can really understand the business model with that. And that's Mm -hmm. basically saying this, the more screen time, the more revenue. Mm -hmm. Consider some of these facts. YouTubes, they estimate they have about 1.5 billion users worldwide, okay? And they spend on average 60 minutes a day on mobile devices, Mm. Okay. Hmm. Now, the aim of the tech companies is to establish viewing habits earlier than ever. Mm-hmm. They're doing the opposite of what parents are trying to do. <laughs> exactly. They're trying to work to curtail that. Nope. Mm-hmm. Let's get you in earlier. YouTube Kids, for example, their viewership is growing. Mm-hmm. Facebook recently launched Messenger Kids, which is a messenger app for kids as young as six years of age. I'm My oldest sorry. daughter is six. That's ridiculous. Really? Six as young old? as six years of age. They should be. Learning, they should be running and jumping outside and and uh, learning how to read and write uh, by hand. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Absolutely, and you oh. know, my oldest daughter, she's six, and and uh, you know, at times, every now and then, I'll let her work with the phone. But you'd be amazed how quickly they learn to unlock the stuff and just oh, plug around and get to places. So I can, They're I can smart. totally they watch. That. They're very observant. They are, mm-hmm. and as tech companies pursue the viewership of younger children, is it really any wonder? I mean, why it becomes virtually impossible for children to spend a day without an interactive screen and the social media gadgets that are really easy accessible on these devices? Why? Well, with the widespread use growing among children, one obstacle for young people we know is peer pressure. Mm-hmm. For children and teens, mobile devices with access to social media sites are a social lifeline for them. Mm-hmm. And parents are really put in a very tough place when you think about it. I mean, many of these kids, they relentlessly will lobby their parents for these devices to join the social media crowd, since all their peers in school are doing that. And before too long, a common plea amongst teenagers is to have their devices with them through the night. I mean, can you oh. imagine we said nine hours a day on average that they're spending Outside of class, now they want to bring it into the bedroom with them? Yeah, and I know that that is becoming a widespread problem for sure. 
Uh, and psychologists say that the social media creates anxiety amongst children when they are away from their phones. So thus, they end up with them in their bedroom. They can't just stay away from them. Right. Um, because they have... That term FOMO. I just learned the term FOMO about two or three years ago. You know, I've from seen that acronym. Niece. What does that mean? I don't it even know. It means fear of missing out. Oh, yeah. I've seen that a lot, actually, yeah, in a lot of social I know. sites. So I that know. confirms it. And and they they're, the kids are developing anxiety because they have fear of missing out on plans or conversations that could be about them. So you take some of those natural concerns that kids have during the teenage years, and you add social media to the mix, and it it exponentially exacerbates that fear um, the kids have always had during those age groups. But now the platform is so broad that it's harder for them to kind of keep track of it all. They know that there's sure. more opportunity for them to be either left out or talked about behind their backs. And so it's adding to their anxiety. And according to consultant and author uh, Deborah Heitner, parents trying to micromanage the use of the devices can actually prompt children to become more deceptive. And tech companies are already ahead of the game to help kids just do that, mm-hmm. which, again, we, we have the parents being pitted against the tech companies. The tech companies see profits and the parents see their children's lives kind of turned upside down with the social media. Right. Um, but Snapchat has a feature that uh, was developed that allows for disappearing messages that actually defy parental monitoring because um, it really ac- encourages addictive patterns because it disappears. And uh, parents don't even know that it's happening some of the time. I mean, it's so easy to slide under the radar for yeah. parents not to know. I mean, yeah. that's just How so would you know? Unless another parent's... Another child's parent tells you, right? Uh, you may have no idea that this is going on with your child. I mean, you're thinking maybe parents are going to have to start forming networks with other parents yeah. to say, "Hey, look, let's see if we can find out what's really being discussed." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Hold very disturbing. Realm. You know, so now that we've examined the very real threat of addiction when it comes to interactive screens and the social media gadget that draws us all in, mm-hmm. let's take a look at some of the specifics concerning the neurological destruction that excessive viewing habits have been proven to create. Um, You know, research concerning brain imaging, for example, it shows that technology's executive functioning, including impulse control, exactly in the same way as that of the drug cocaine. Yeah, that is pretty scary. You know, so what what this research is really showing then is when they, I'm sure they're doing MRIs or CT scans where they're seeing this showing up, um, that the brain would actually light up in the same way it would um, for both cocaine and social media type addiction or technology addiction. Right. And and, and Mm -hmm. the reason why that is similar in in the specific science behind that is that this type of stimulation is hyper exciting, that feels good, Mm -hmm. uh, that that touches the feel-good neurotransmitter dopamine. We hear Mm -hmm. about that a lot Mm -hmm. in terms of trying to bring an arousal and a pleasure to the Mm -hmm. body. And so it, it, it targets that specific area of the the brain, and this is playing a major role in the addiction that's happening for a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. It's making the child crave for increasing levels of stimulation. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, a popular syndrome term that has been going on with excessive interactive screens, and that's the electronic screen syndrome. And this is a condition in which the nervous system becomes overstimulated from too much screen time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is essentially a syndrome uh, that's known uh, as dis 
regulation. Mm -hmm. And that is where there's a malfunction in various brain mechanisms due to chronically high levels of arousal. Mm -hmm. You know, we just mentioned that this arousal comes from the increase in the dopamine levels in the brain. Well, and the idea of dysregulation really just meaning that your body is no longer regulating itself in a normal pattern. It's regulating. Right. It's it's acting more like an addicted person to drugs or cocaine. It's hyper arousal around right. the clock. Right, right. And um, there's so many negative effects of that that are both health related and psychological um, in, in nature. And Dr. Victoria Dunkley, who is the author of Reset Your Child's Brain, is one of the leading psychiatrists and a prominent award-winning voice for greater understanding of the effects of electronic screens. And I've highlighted her work on past shows. Yes. And um, she has actually said that trying to help stu- or help kids, I say students because most of them probably are students, sure. um, get uh, off of the addiction of screen time is actually harder than she has it's been more difficult for her than trying to get people off of cocaine. Mm. So the addiction is actually even stronger than cocaine. Wow. And she, she finds it very devastating. Um, but she says it takes very little screen time to induce that dysregulation syndrome or the symptoms, which you see. And those include failing grades, missing assignments, disrespectful behavior, or the inability to follow direction. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that used to be associated with troubled kids. Right. But now we are seeing this across all categories because of so much screen time usage. I mean, the screen time usage, you know, has really missed the self-control aspect. Mm-hmm. But once that has really taken root and it's established itself... You lose control in all areas of your life, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And for some kids, as Dr. Victoria Dunkley says, it only takes 30 minutes a day of iPad use to produce these severe problems in a child that can remain long after the iPad is actually removed, Mm. which is also kind of frightening. But even if you start to make right decisions, it takes a while for the dysregulation to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the increase in dopamine levels uh, from the social media or the, the screen time, interaction with electronic screens brings a shift to the nervous system, and it goes into a fight-or-flight mode, which really is the result of overstimulation once again. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, fight-or-flight, you know that that is a high... It's going to be hard on the heart, too, because yep. you're going to end up with a lot more... Uh, heart rate increases and that type of thing that happens with that fight or flight overstimulation, um, which then is only going to increase the stress. So it's kind of a, a, um, it's a self-propagating situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some stress in itself can be handled by the brain and body, but the high levels of arousal overwhelms our ability to adapt and ultimately makes it difficult to wind down and sleep deeply. So obviously sleep becomes affected like by torment. this as well. It doesn't it? Absolutely. And to think that we do this by choice and you know, because adults are 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 vulnerable to this as well, but obviously kids are even more vulnerable. Absolutely. And it becomes so difficult for some of these kids who have been then addicted to uh, technology to adapt in large be- because of the stress of screen time is accompanied by lots of sitting and lack of intense physical activity. 
So what happens as a result of the stress in the body with no physical activity? Well, it gets released in a tantrum or some other type of dysfunctional way. Right. And, you know, we kind of chuckle about this, but it's real. And it, I, I know that um, my children are now grown. And so technology wasn't as much of an issue when they were growing up. Okay. Um, but it was still, you know, video games and that type of a thing were definitely big, especially when my younger two were growing up. And I always knew if they had spent too much time playing a video game. Yes. Because they would come downstairs grumpy, touchy, um, looking tired. They were always kind of, you know, sulky. and They wanted food. They weren't as polite. Um, it was like... Um, I think we're, you know, we're going to turn that off now. We've right. had a little bit too much of that. Right. I used to give tickets to let them earn, you know, 15 minutes of screen time right. by doing chores or getting their homework done and um, to try to control some of that. Well, see, I remember even being in, you know, college a long time ago, my freshman or sophomore year, you know, you get into Minnesota winters. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot to do. We would play video games, have video game tournaments mm-hmm. with different sports. I mean, we'd play till 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning know, sometimes. because you, you don't even, it's kind of like going. Going to Las Vegas. <laughs> right, exactly. You don't know if it's night machine. or day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <clears throat> so we talk about some of these physical symptoms that we experience in the fight or flight mode and all mm-hmm. this pent up uh, stress and the need for the release of that stress. So, what are some of the problems that can begin to take root in a child after just 30 minutes on an iPad per day? We mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, some neurological symptoms. That follow uh, the overstimulation, as you mentioned earlier, the extreme irritability, Mm -hmm. depression, excessive tantrums, frustration, poor self-regulation, disorganized behavior, defiance, poor socializing skills. You know, especially if you're somebody who's bullied, you tend to withdraw and become isolated in that virtual Mm -hmm. reality world. And so there's no socializing. Right, right. Refusing eye contact. Mm-hmm. Learning difficulties, mm-hmm. bad memory, shrinking attention span, alteration in sleep cycles, and dangerous conditions including psychosis and neurosis. Yeah, you know, you stop and think about the fact that uh, if this is producing the same effect in children's brains as cocaine, and yet cocaine is illegal, it's an illegal substance. Right. Um, why, when I stop and think about it, why do we expose our kids? to this kind of an addictive type of device. Um, I just think that, I I wonder if we're going to see some revelations um, occur in with respect to usage of technology in the course of the next five or ten years as this research becomes more published and more widely known. I can't imagine there's not going to be an outcry or a backlash against using this much technology with young children. And we'll touch on this a little bit next week as well, too, but I think we have to look at our society as a whole and look how busy we are. Yeah. Look at how overstressed we are. A lot of times we bite off more than we can chew, and I'm mm-hmm. talking about us as adults. Right. And so when the kids are clamoring, say, on six straight months of wintertime in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they just want something to do, and you're so stressed and busy as a parent that you just want to get them out of your hair, yes. what's the easy thing yeah. to do? Yeah, put them in front of a screen. Because they're mesmerized, and they don't yep. bother you right. for a couple of hours. Right. You know? so. Oh, you are so right on that one, Mark. <laughs> Boy, you hit the nail on the head. And we hate to laugh about it, but it's so true. Yeah. And I know I've been guilty of, mm-hmm. of it at times Oh, we as all well. have. We all have. Well, according to Dr. Dunkley, uh, children with ESS, they become tearful, 
angry very easily, and their meltdowns tend to be over minor incidents. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see, that sensitivity. Well, when the brain is engaged in screen time, it tends to shut down the frontal frontal lobe of the brain. And chronic stress is the result. So we talked more about the outward appearances of too much screen time. We're going to turn our attention here and look a little bit at what is actually happening in the brain that is causing some of these outward appearances. So there's very real physiological effects on the brain from too much screen time. So if it's shutting down the frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain that is at the very front of your head, so just you know under your forehead, um, the chronic stress is the result, as I said, and it results in blood flow shifting away from the frontal lobe, which is the more developed part of the brain, to the more primitive parts of the brain. And something that's important to note here is that the frontal lobe is one of the last uh, parts of the brain to develop. And so kids of the age of, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old still are operating on an underdeveloped frontal lobe, which is where it regulates their behavior and their decisions, their judgment. And so interesting then that if that happens naturally, that the frontal lobe is the last to develop, and then we add on top of it too much screen time, which removes blood flow from the frontal lobe, that means we're slowing down the development of the frontal lobe. And imagine this starting at the age of six. We talk about 18, 19, and 20. Right, right. That's... that's, uh, there's no surprise then that Victoria Dunkley does talk about the fact that our kids are operating about three years cognitively behind what they used to. 30 years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Three years. Wow. So what are the main functions of the brain's frontal lobe? As I said, it's, it involves motor function, problem solving, spontaneity, memory, language, initiation, judgment, impulse control, and social and sexual behavior. Any of these areas can become impaired as a result of a shift in blood flow, of course, um, and or the the brain doesn't actually get to develop that part, yes. which is even more critical. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is problematic in teenagers as the large amount of the frontal lobe development occurs, as I said, during puberty. So the teenage behavior and the lifestyle choices are so important because their activities during these teenage years determine um, which brain connections get set. Mm-hmm. And when healthier activities are eliminated, it affects brain development in a way that is irreversible. Mm-hmm. That's a strong word. Mm-hmm. Uh, When the frontal lobes shut down, pathways in the brain that are sensitive to light get too much activity. And the regions in the brain associated with empathy, reading social cues, and delayed gratification do not get enough activity. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about our culture. Think about all the screaming and hollering and and the lack of empathy that we're seeing. This is true. Um, Certainly, uh, it is amazing that we see a lot of this in our culture today and and how much it might be tied to too much technology use. So as a result, the brain develops in a fragmented fashion, which makes it much less flexible and much less resilient. And see, what happens then, too, is that we talk about pathways in the brain. Mm -hmm. And when there's this constant interactive screen viewing that's going on, only one pathway is constantly being emphasized, mm-hmm. and new ones are not being created to be able 
to fully develop in all these other areas. Right. That it's mentioned. like you end up like with ditches rather than trails. Oh. If that's a good analogy, I hope for our listeners that you know you you know a ditch is not what you want to see in a brain. You want to see lots of trails. You want to see lots of pathways mm-hmm. uh, lighting up in the brain. So that development only happens through varied experiences. Mm. Well, another effect that comes from too much interactive screen time, we mentioned about sleep cycles being off. Well, more specifically, insomnia. Mm-hmm. You know, having your time consumed with hyperarousal from tech gadgets, it eventually extends late into the evening, especially when the kids are clamoring to have these devices in their bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And continuous looking into the screen prevents the brain from properly shutting down. Mm-hmm. Now, the brain is tricked into alertness when the bright light from a technological piece mimics daylight. Mm -hmm. And in turn, it suppresses your sleep signal, the melatonin. Mm -hmm. Now, this results in a desynchronized body clock, shallow sleep, altered brain chemistry, and disrupted hormone cycles. Mm -hmm. Again, very important. important People need to know this. Mm -hmm. Social isolation, that is another uh, negative effect mm-hmm. from too much interaction, especially, yep. again, if kids are being bullied, they pull back, their life is wrapped up in yep. uh, this uh, this cyber world. Mm-hmm. And with the wide selection of technological gadgets, children mm-hmm. find it more fun to play games on their mobiles than with real friends. Mm-hmm. And again, they have networks where you can get on the internet and play people from like all over the mm-hmm. world in these games. Right. So you don't know who you're talking to or who you're right. playing a game with in right. another part of the world. Which leads to a whole nother, nother set of problems. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to go into that today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and as isolation really becomes the reality, a child becomes a loner, mm-hmm. an introvert who doesn't like to make friends or socialize with people in a personal face-to-face yeah. setting. Yeah. You know, social isolation we know can cause anxiety, depression distrust in others, and tragically suicidal tendencies. It's a downward spiral. It's sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Social Social isolation also paves the way for children to fall into some serious dangers and traps on the Internet. And uh, they may befriend strangers on social media, as I alluded to Mm -hmm. with the games, who can end up hurting them. One prominent example that we see is uh, child predatory type behavior. Yes, yep, yep. There's a lot of danger with all of the interconnectedness of people. I mean, you have to be really careful. Who and it takes you to. so much farther than you want to go. Yep, yep. Well, how big of a deal is the content when it comes to screen time? You know, usually people think, oh, well, as long as my child isn't playing like violent games or something like that, then I'm sure it's okay. Um, But according to Dunkley, the specific content that is viewed in screen time is perhaps one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to negative effects. In fact, uh, studies show that the total amount of screen time is a much better indicator of what negative effects come during technology use. Mm-hmm. Um, parents automatically, like I said, assume that a video game, if it's nonviolent, that it's somehow not harmful. Mm-hmm. And that games that are educational must be good, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. it's still cre- screen time. And it really does come down to the nature of the screen and the interacting with that screen that is the source of the overstimulation and the damage. Uh, people don't think about that constant bright light, that fast pace of what's taking place on the screen, and the lifelike and detailed cover colors that overwhelm the visual system. These characteristics are really what the technology industries, including ed tech industry, are using to infiltrate our schools to keep children occupied and coming back for more. Mm-hmm. And again, this is 
You know, tech companies are smart. They're out to make a dollar, right? They they know that schools are an incredible source of money because if it's public schools, they're going to get money from the districts. If it's private schools, they're you know hopefully going to get money through tuition. And if they can push on to the public that using technology in education makes a better education, right. that's all they have to do. And then they're going to be able to have kind of this open spigot where everybody's eating up their technology and coming up. You know, we, we know that districts all across the nation and private schools all across the nation are spending millions and millions of dollars yes. for technology in the classroom. But honestly, with very little or even negative results. Yeah, there's so much to be concerned about here. And, you know, we want to make sure that we are alerting our parents to the realities of technology because it's just not something that we're seeing talked about very often. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on Education Nation, and we'll see you next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.